Hi, Simon Hill here. Enjoy our podcast. If you'd like to help us keep delivering the sort of quality football chat you want, then you can show your support by making a donation. Big or small, however much you can afford, we appreciate all your help and every cent will be ploughed back into improving production. Thanks in advance from all of us at Shim, Spider and so much more. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You're with Shim, Spider, and so much more. Take it away, fellas. Yes, hello again, and welcome to episode four of Shim, Spider, and so much more. Another busy week in the world of football as Melbourne City underline their finals credentials. And we're delighted to say we have Jamie McLaren on the show a bit later on. Elsewhere, Harry Kuehl is back in management. MacArthur start to build their squad. And Arsenal give Mikel Arteta his first trophy as manager. We'll be discussing it all along with my two cohorts, Craig Moore, who's no doubt delighted at Chris Sutton's tweet regarding Rangers' win over Aberdeen, saying that's the league over already. And Zelko Kalats, who's apparently training India's first-choice goalkeeper, Gurpreet Singh Sandhu. What's all that about, Spider? Tallest Indian I've ever seen. <laughs> really? <laughs> Six foot three. Wow. Good keeper. Seen him twice. That was the end of it. I think my sessions were too hard. I think he wanted to get back on holiday. Okay. We'll see if he comes back. Maury, uh, Rangers win over Aberdeen. That must have made you a happy man. Yeah, it was a good start to the season. I wait uh, to Aberdeen at Pataudry, so really good start. And Chris Sutton loves to poke the bear. And <laughs> so he started off the season as predicted as well. Poke the teddy bear. Don't you love the way Maury says Pataudry? He's still got that Scottish twang. Let's get into it then. love playing there. <laughs> Let's get into it then with Hard Talk. So, boys, let's uh, start with the A-League, and in particular, a big win for Melbourne City. Uh, made a bit of a statement, perhaps. I want to ask you, Maury, they've often been accused of a little bit of mental fragility. Does this result put that to bed, do you think? No, I don't. I don't think. I mean, look, it's a great start, uh, obviously. Um, their first game back from the, the restart. Uh, we've seen, obviously, a few of the other teams that have had a, a, a few more games, Simon, to get into, well, a, a rhythm, so to speak. But 
for City, look, it, it's certainly a good start. And we know on a, on a good day, we've seen exactly how um, lethal they can be. Um, they had a great result against Sydney FC there who, um, you know, weren't at their best. They've admitted that they weren't at their best. And probably the disappointing thing for Sydney FC is a couple of games on the bounce now conceding soft goals. Mm. Spider, I, I think Melbourne City is a huge threat to win it this year. Uh, from last year to this year, they look like a completely different side. Uh, I think Mombats has done a fantastic job. They look organised. They look structured. They look like every player in the team knows their job and they're hard to beat. I would not want to be playing them in a one-off game. But Spider, uh, just to throw this back at you, because obviously if they are going to get to that pointy end and play on the big stage, obviously experience Tom Glover. Is he, uh, is he a goalkeeper that will handle that experience? Mate, so far, what I've seen, I think he's been fantastic. Um, and it's games more. You've seen the kid has grown. Mate, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's 22. He's yeah. 22. Mate, we, we're calling guys that are 22-year-old's kid. That, that is a seasoned pro. And he's getting better with each game. And it's a little bit like Izzo. We spoke about Izzo. Glover now is getting game time, playing week in, week out. His confidence will be growing. He's playing in a very good side. He's not getting uh, exposed because his defence is weak. Uh, I think Melbourne City, uh, uh, look, it's a big call. I think they're favourites to win the Ooh, championship. Favourites? Yeah, I think, I think oh, they're the favourites. Mark that big down, shout. Maury. <laughs> <laughs> big shout from Big Chops. Um, another 22-year-old spider, Lockie Wales. I was impressed by him. Sometimes his final delivery on... Uh, Saturday night wasn't always the best, but he's a very busy player. Uh, the shock of blonde hair he's got now in the, with the streaks. He's mm-hmm. 22, a, a year younger than Daniel De Silva, who was you know, touted a few years ago as being this, this next big thing. He's getting opportunities under Eric Monbert, his lucky Wales, but it's quite another taking those opportunities of being consistent with it. But really at 22, You've got to be starting to get in that groove, haven't you? Yeah, but he, he's another one. I was lucky enough to work with Lockie when I was at City. And you can see development with games. And guys, for me, the big change with Melbourne City is the head coach. Like, it's huge. He has brought in... Stra- he does not care who you are. You do your job for the team. And you can see it is clear as day that every player knows their role. That's why yeah. uh, Lockie's a player who can... Repeat, sprint, going behind, score goals, enthusiastic. I think, Spider, I mean, I know you love it uh, in terms of players with pace um, in that, that final third. And, and Lockie, uh, he's blessed with that. You know, he is uh, somebody that can get in behind. He has that flexibility in terms of can lead the line, not at his best at this moment, leading the line, um, but also in those wider areas. His final bit of quality, Simon, you touched on. When he can improve on that and start to be um, you know, deliver better outcomes in that final third, then anything's possible for the boy. At 22 years old, he's managed to find his way out of the Mariners um, and, and at City and doing quite well. Whereas Daniel De Silva, that great talent we, we, we spoke about, has found himself at Central Coast Mariners. And uh, what a change of fortune for that particular player as well from what we've seen in, in his early days. Just a word on Sydney. As you mentioned, Maury, they started to, to leak a few goals. They've lost back-to-back games for just the second time in four years. The first time, incidentally, since season 17-18. Are there yeah. cracks appearing for Sydney, or is this just a blip? Look, the, the last couple of games defensively hasn't been great. Uh, and like I said, the two goals I conceded against Melbourne City, I think it was, it was a long, long ball for the first one. Retre makes an error, um, and McGowan... Uh, gets robbed by McLaren for the for the second. So normally 
Sydney FC spies, you'll know better. They're, they're, they're really well organised. They keep themselves nice and compact and normally feed and thrive off of other teams' mistakes. Whereas City actually done that and done that quite well. So it was kind of, you know, a little bit different to see. I do believe that Sydney FC can bounce back though. Yeah, I, I think that's a grand. I think that'll be a grand final replay. I think those two teams will play in the grand final. Uh, I think Sydney FC, you can't underestimate them. They've got a lot of experienced players. They know what it takes to win. They've already won the minor premiership. They know their one focus is to win the grand final. So in the first uh, first six minutes of the show, Spider, you've called the grand final winners and indeed the two teams are going to play and offer the trophy. So we're, we've marked that down and we'll revisit yeah. that come grand final week. Oh, well, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'm a pretty good chance, Maury, because since the A-League's existed, first and second have played the grand final 15 out of the 16 times. That's true. I've got to be a chance. Mate, That's true. The form's here. The form's here. <laughs> well, that rules out uh, Wellington, who were, who were beaten by the Western Sydney Wanderers by the only goal. The big talking point of that game, guys, the clash mm. of heads involving Louis Fenton and Nikolai Muller, uh, it yeah. caused an awful lot of chat. What was your view on this? Accidental or unnecessarily reckless? And should there be a lengthy ban for Louis Fenton or not? No, not at, not at all. This was for me, uh, and it was it was really horrible to see because I was really concerned for for Nikolai Muller. But I believe Simon that it was it was accidental. It was it was mistimed, and 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 really unfortunate because, it, like I says, when I seen that seen the incident, I was I was really quite worried. The pleasing thing, the most pleasing thing, is for uh, Nikolai Muller who is recovering well. Um, I don't think there was any intent or, or malice. It was just mistiming. Me too. I, I totally agree. I don't think there was any intent at all. Uh, badly mistimed. Sometimes players, when you see you're going to mistime a ball, you can't be going in like that. But it was, there was no malice in it. What was your, what was your worst time to tackle of all time, Maury, as a defender? <laughs> uh, I don't know about a, a tackle, but uh, I remember one uh, ch- Champions League game, I think, Simon, and I've gone to attack the ball. Um, and my opponent that was marking me just ducked down, sort of like bent, and, and I've kind of flipped over him. And I've had a really awkward fall. Um, Spy, you know I've got a long neck. Right, <laughs> <laughs> because I landed on it. Oh, my God. Um, it could have been, been a bad one, but I was lucky. Flexible neck, go go gadget next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's move on and talk about uh, Adelaide United, who beat Perth five goals to three. Very entertaining game. They yeah. look reborn, don't they, under Carl Viet? And there's even some talk that they might just hand him to the job permanently already. Uh, Christian Opset, in particular, seems to have really benefited from from the change in coach. But what has he changed, if anything, Spider? They just look full of confidence. Yeah, they're, they're young, enthusiastic. Uh, they're actually scoring goals, which they, they do have. Like, I mean, I think Ryland Vigree is a fantastic player for the A League. Uh, I think Ospeth has he's just come alive, hasn't he? He's scoring, he's making runs, he's getting opportunities. Their willingness to work is, a, is their big asset. You know, they've, they've got serious legs on some of the other teams. Uh, are they good enough to win it this year? Probably not experienced enough at the moment, but what they are doing is giving valuable game time to some of these players. Yeah, and look, I mean, their first game back was against Brisbane. I know they got the result, but they weren't, they weren't very good in that game at all, in my opinion. Um, they played one half of football against Wellington. Um, but the, the Perth result was, it was a very good result. Izzo, we've touched on earlier on, he's been, um, he's been enormous for them since they've restarted. 
And Opseth, um, again, his job is becoming a, a little bit easier, Spider, with the delivery, the balls are, you know, that are coming into the box. He seems to be that type of player that wants to go and attack things, which is good. Uh, and he's also had a couple assists. So, look, Carl Viet, in terms of results, uh, it looks very, very good. Um, performances, I still think, can get uh, a lot better. They've got a, actually a decent squad on paper, I think, with good young players. Looks a, looks a happier camp as well, doesn't it, under Carl Viet. So Talking of happy campers, are Perth happy campers at the moment? Uh, and how much are they missing the likes of Vutrick and Castro and uh, Chris Economides, the point you made, uh, Spider? Yeah, I, I think Perth a little bit have been deteriorised the, the most. Deteriorised? Yes. <laughs> right. The, the most. Can, can, we just, can we just check that in the dictionary? Is that an older word? <laughs> No? Deteriorated. Deteriorated. Okay, well, there we go. There's another <laughs> word for us to add into my vocabulary. <laughs> Despite a lexicon. Yeah. But they've probably been the ones that have been affected the most. Uh, they've lost a lot of very good players. Uh, they don't seem to have the end product at the moment. They're controlling a lot of matches still, but the end product yeah. is not there. And touching on the game that they lost to Adelaide, you know, I know Popper's teams very well. When was the last time a Popper team got beat by five? So they will rectify that. They will rectify that problem. And it just happened to be that everything that could have went wrong for Perth that night did. Maury, I want to ask you about uh, Popper. When a, when a team of his cops five on the chin and mm-hmm. you played with Popper, you both did, you know, you know him mm-hmm. well, uh, yeah. a central defender of some repute, does mm-hmm. that hurt him more than losing 1-0? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there would have been a few players that copped uh, something on the chin as well <laughs> after, after that. But uh, look, Popper, one thing is, is, is guaranteed with, with, with Popper and his teams is uh, they'll be extremely well organised for this next one. They will be that hard to beat. And even if it's a smelly 1-0 victory, um, that will be the type of turnaround spider you would see from a Popper team, yeah? Yeah, 100%. As I said, Maury, things go wrong in a football match. And that game against Adelaide, everything possibly went wrong. I mean, yeah. some of the goals they cop were just really soft goals that you don't normally see them cop. Yeah, and, and look, Diego Castro, that, that ability to create, um, we know that he doesn't have the legs, but what he has upstairs and, and still that ability to try and, uh, or not try, he actually does create. Um, and for me, Perth have really, really missed him. A top six battle is really starting to heat up with just a few games left. Um, Newcastle Jets, of course, edging out Western United, which uh, is an important result in a negative sense for Mark Rudin's team. They remain outside the six. Uh, and Carl Robinson continues to impress as a coach. I mean, they're not going to make the finals this year, or it would take a mathematical miracle for them to do so. But you look at what he's starting to build there, and you think next season, if they continue along the same trajectory, they're going to be some threat. Playing good football as well, and again, comes down to structure. They look organised. Each player knows their role. Uh, I thought it was actually an entertaining game, Newcastle and Western United. Could have went both ways. Uh, you know, Roods will be really disappointed if he can get something out of that because I think he's four points out of the top six. And it's easy to say, yeah, yeah you've got games in hand. But Maury, we've all been there. You still have to win those games to get in front. And that's a difficult part in the A-League because it's so difficult every match. Points, points on the board are always uh, a lot better than games in hand. Uh, we know that. I've experienced that, Spider. You've experienced that. But, yeah, look, Carl Robinson has done a very good job. And, and look, the A-League is very, very similar to, to the MLS, which he has experience in. Um, he seems to be a player that is uh, – not a player. He seems to be a manager that's really bought into not only the Newcastle Jets, but to his playing group. 
and they seem to be really enjoying themselves playing for, for Carl Robinson. So certainly been a, a positive time for Newcastle. And who knows? They could, they could find themselves in that top six. Okay, let's uh, talk about one or two other topics around the world of Australian football. Uh, MacArthur FC, of course, come into the A-League at the start of next season, which will be in December. Uh, They've started to roll out some of their signings uh, and some big names too. Uh, Adam Federici, Mark Milligan, Denny Genro as well. Uh, And of course, as as you both know, Antti Milicic has a lot of experience at this sort of startup operation you think they'll be competitive from from day one obviously they've only got four players at the moment but surely there's more to come it's a good four to start with yeah. and i think when you're building a team uh it's important that you you sign some name, names that people go wow and when you actually start to attract other players they start to see that you're serious and then you can mm. start to attract better players as well I, I think they're headed in the right direction i think those players are fantastic for for the a-league and fantastic for macarthur I mean, to think we're getting Federici back after the career he's had, I think yep. he's, he's fantastic. And now, if they sign a good young goalkeeper that can actually develop under Federici mm. and learn from him, a, a great yep. pro, mate, they're headed in the right direction. Who would be that keeper spider? I know who they've signed, but I can't tell you. Oh, oh Callards, is it? <laughs> <laughs> go on, there, go on, there, Ollie, Ollie. Uh, nah, but that'll be look, that'll be a. They'll be a well-organised. I mean, look, the difficulty is we've, we've, we've heard four players. We know that, you know, there's probably 10 or 12 players really that they're, they're at. Um, but in terms of these announcements, Spider, and, and to, to get, I guess, the interest on continually to, to build a, a good squad. The challenge, obviously, for, for Teza, for Ante Milicic, is um, how quickly you can gel a brand new group of players together to then go and perform and, and get results. But some, some certainly uh, some exciting Names there, Federici, Mark Milligan and Dennis Genro, who I've, I've liked for, for quite some time, a really good young player. Yeah, I can't believe Melbourne City lost him, but you know, that happens in football. But you know what the funny thing is? Have a look at the teams that have come in, Maury. So there's only been one new franchise that's come in and been successful the first year. Western Sydney Wanderers. Wanderers, yep. yeah, yeah. So the next franchise... Gold Coast in, United did all right. They did okay, yeah? They, they did actually, yeah. Yeah, they yeah, did yeah. Oh, Gold Coast done well. Mm. To, to just to make the six in the first year is an achievement because it's difficult. Like, Rudes has seen that himself now at Western United. He's, he's gone and reinforced with experienced players, a lot of old experienced players that have been around the trap, and he's still not in the six. It's, it's difficult, and it's going to be difficult for MacArthur. So I, I think they've realised, and they've got someone like Tezza who's been at two startup clubs, so he actually knows what kind of players he probably needs to inherit and bring to the club to actually make that top six. A couple of uh, A-League players uh, on the move, or at least potentially. Uh, Kevin Muscat reportedly making a play to sign Liberato Gacace for Centruden in Belgium. That'd be a good first step yeah. for him, Maury. Yeah, look, I've, I've been uh, really impressed with Kikache, uh, and He's the best left-back in the competition, isn't he? By, by far, by far, in my opinion. Um, you know, he's a... He's a He's a modern-day player. He can defend. Um, he continually gives you an outlet going forward. And he can get you, you know, get decent deliveries in, penalties, what have you. Kevin Musker is an admirer of Kakache. So if that was to be um, a move for the, for the lad, that would be, I think, a really, really good first step for him. Sounds like you've got a bit of inside information there, Maury. Oh, I can, can divulge anything. Uh, no, look, I know, look, I know. I, I know Muskie is a fan. Yeah. I don't. I don't know the dynamics of any negotiations or whatever. But Kakachi can do very well in a in a, in a country yeah. like Belgium, and I think can go on to bigger and better things. 
And in terms of uh, goalkeeper spider, Lawrence Thomas looks as though he's going to Sonderischke, I think that's how you pronounce it, in Denmark. Former club of, uh, of Nathan Coe, amongst others. That's a good step for him too. I think it's brilliant. I mean, he's been fantastic here in the A-League. He's done really well. And sometimes a player just needs that new challenge. And look, it's not a massive club and it's not a massive league, but it is Europe and it gives him an opportunity. He's going at the right age. I think Lawrence is 27 now. So it's a fantastic yeah. age for a goalkeeper to be going overseas. And once again, you see because Nathan Coe done so well, uh, you know, Matty Ryan done really well in Belgium. Booker got an opportunity to go there. So we create these opportunities by, by players, other Australian players doing well. And I wish, I wish uh, Lawrence all the best over there because he had a fantastic career here in Australia. Stepping stones for players and for coaches as well. Your ex-Socceroo uh, teammate, Harry Kuehl, this week announces the new manager <clears throat> excuse me, of Oldham Athletic. Uh, he does, of course, have a connection with uh, the owner, Abdallah Lemsagam, who brokered the deal, apparently, to take him from Melbourne Victory to Al Garafa back in 2012 and was also involved in the deals for Mark Bresciano and Lucas Neal back in the day. Um, he does become <laughs> Lemsagam's eighth coach, which is a and bit of a concern given, uh, given Harry's recent record at Notts County. Yeah. Yeah, in, in in two years. But look, let's. This is our first. First and foremost, congratulations to to Harry Cool. He's been desperate to to get back in, and he's found himself uh, the opportunity with Oldham, who I believe finished nineteenth uh, in the season just past League Two. Uh, Simon, so it's Sorry. a league he actually he knows a lot about because after you know his experience and and H's done really really well at Crawley Town was was doing really well for himself. The opportunity on the back of doing well for thirteen months was uh, the calling uh, an opportunity for Notts County. Notts County were a disaster. I, I don't put that down to H in terms of the way things turned out. They're the owner. Uh, it, was, it was an absolute disaster. So, uh, look, the opportunity um, for H to come in uh, and, and do a, a job at Oldham, two words, two key words he's come out with, um, which I've seen, time and stability. And let's see, let's see how much time he he, he does get. Uh, hopefully, um, he gets a lot of it, which will bring stability. Spider, you touch on the players, and it's no different for coaches. We need Aussies to be doing well, mm. uh, whether, whether whether it be as football players, whether it be as coaches, whether it be as journalists, whatever we're doing and wherever we're going, we need our we need our boys to be doing well. So, fingers crossed for H. Spider, I want to ask you a question about Harry Kuehl. It's been asked before, but uh, I'm interested in your take. When you were playing with Harry uh, at international level, you obviously know him reasonably well. Did you ever see a a top-level manager or or coach in him? I think a lot of people were surprised that he went into the coaching ranks. And it's... It's unbelievable because I never never thought Harry would be a a manager. I didn't see him as a student of the game. But once a lot of us ex-players get that little taste, you get a bug. I mean, Maury, me and Maury done our B licence together. And, you know, it's... Oh, <laughs> I went down that That would have been fun, you two together. <laughs> oh, my God, mate. We weren't great, we weren't great together. <laughs> <laughs> I had... The bug got me and I wanted to coach and I wanted to give it out there, whereas Maury was on the other side. He said, mate, this ain't for me, big chops. <laughs> yeah, nah. You never fancied it, Maury? No, like I said, Spides, we've we done the course together. For me, it was too much, like, going back to school. Um, I kind of wanted to to be out in the football field more uh, and, and, and being able to put sessions on and, and have the confidence to know whether I could fix a problem. Uh, I just felt back then in 2010, Spider, 
Um, I didn't get that. And like I says, you're right. You've got the bug. I've spoken to many coaches like it. They've got the bug. Mate, it actually drove me away from wanting to be a coach. Yeah, interesting. Um, the Matildas coach, still no announcement yet as to the successor to uh, Ante Milicic. They're obviously taking their time. Uh, interesting yeah. to see a suggestion from Joe Montemuro, who's uh, theoretically one of the candidates for the job, yeah. uh, suggesting that the Matildas should set up shop in London uh, to mm-hmm. save dollars over the next couple of years. 20-odd players yeah. based in Europe seems to make sense. Is that, is that a good suggestion, Maury, or not? I think it's a. I think Joe's speaking a lot of sense. Uh, this is something that we experienced um, also when majority of our squad were, were European based. We kind of had a hub or home um, in London, and and it worked extremely well. I I don't see any reason why it can't um, work for the Matildas. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I think we touched on it about a week ago about the same thing, and Maury actually called this, and so maybe he read the tweet, Maury. <laughs> <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> I mean, it makes sense. All our girls are going yeah. to be in, majority of them are in Europe. So, you know, the minority of the three, five, six players, whatever, that are still here in Australia, it makes sense to, to be in Europe for those camps and more importantly for the games that you can get. Certainly makes sense for Joe Montemuro if he got the job as well, wouldn't it? Because he wouldn't have to move house. Anyway, we'll see if that uh, eventuates. Um, let's move away from the local game and head overseas. London calling through the faraway towns Now war is declared and battle come down London calling to the... Yes, a lot to get through overseas, both in Europe and in Asia. We are going to continue to talk about Asia. Let's start, though, with uh, the FA Cup final in England. Arsenal winning their 14th Cup, a record, and handing Mikel Arteta his uh, first trophy in his first season, the standout was uh, a brilliant performance again by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, a couple of quality goals. Uh, interestingly, refused to talk about his future post-game, Maury. They yeah. need to hang on to the likes of Aubameyang if they're going to continue their progress under Arteta, surely. Man, I think uh, he's, he scored something like 70 goals in 109 appearances. Uh, they, they, they will be doing everything they possibly can to, to keep Aubameyang. Um, you know, he's a player that, like anybody, wants to be involved in, in, a, in a winning football club and winning trophies. Is lifting this trophy going to be enough to, to keep him is, is a big question. But I've also seen a couple of interviews with Mikel Arteta, who seems quietly confident in, in, in keeping Aubameyang. Obviously, he's still contracted. Um, but if Arsenal are going to be successful, they definitely need to be keeping a hold of him. I think, Spotty, you know, you look at Liverpool a few years ago and... They were sort of there or thereabouts, but not quite. And their top players, Suarez, Coutinho, they left to go elsewhere. Now, they've stopped that. And the quality players now stay with Liverpool. That's the sort of template that uh, Arsenal need to follow, really, if they're going to get back amongst the elite. But Arsenal's really only had a couple of seasons since uh, Wenger left where, you know, it's a readjustment time, ain't it? Mm. Now they seem to have found the right manager for the right fit of the club. You know, we talk, we've spoken about philosophies and mentalities of clubs and how you want to play. You've got to get the right fit. I think Arteta is the right man. I don't think yeah. the players will want to leave. The only thing that will draw them away, Maury, is the ridiculous yeah. money that they can earn elsewhere. And the Champions League. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think more money. Yeah, but like I said, but you look, at, so you look at their strike power. <laughs> yeah, it's always, about, it's always about the money. But you look at the strike force that they've got. I mean, Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe. That's top class. Top bad, class. Still, 
You've got Martinelli, the young young lad, come who, who also quality. Nekatia, brilliant. For me, defensively, I know that they've looked better when they've gone to three at the back, and I think that that's something that they need to do when you've got players like David Luiz, Socrates, and uh, Mustafi, who all have really big mistakes in their locker. I think Spider in that three at the back, it's better than having them type of or those type of players in a back four. I still think they're a world class centre half away. That's what they played against Man City, where they were superb in the cup semi-final. They played that three at the back and, and, and it essentially allowed City to have the ball out wide and said, go on, sling crosses and we'll deal with that. And they did. Arteta looks as though he's, he's a very smart coach tactically. And obviously he's worked alongside Pep Guardiola, who is uh, quick to, to credit in, in the wake of his cup success. But they've beaten City, Liverpool and Chelsea now, it, all in a matter of weeks. Could they challenge not just for the top four, but maybe even higher next season? Or is that too early? I don't know. I've always been a fan of Arsenal. I've always been a fan of how they play and their recruiting. And the way they've always recruited players uh, has been fantastic for me. They've always sold, which is, you know, that's why they're so successful. And the club is as rich as it is because they've always sold. Now, the key is what Maury said. Three at the back. I'm not a fan of that system. But if you go with stoppers that can defend like uh, they Why did Why are you against... not a fan of that system, Spider? Uh, I, just I, just, I just think it's more defensive-minded. I think it's mm-hmm. a more defensive-minded system. Uh, but with David uh, Luiz, Spides, with David yeah. Luiz, who then is the aggressor, who then likes to go and win things, and you can do that when you've got that extra number at the back. And more importantly, then he comes and drives through and acts as an extra yeah. midfield player for you. Yeah. There you go. From a defender. <laughs> and he should know. Um, and you should also know, Maury, obviously, about Newcastle United, one of your former clubs. Uh, yes. Big news in the UK this week that uh, the Saudi takeover collapsed. Um, mm. A lot of Newcastle fans are obviously unhappy because they want to get rid of Mike Ashley, who uh, you won't be surprised to hear has kept the £17 million deposit, which is rather wow. typical. Um, COVID has certainly devastated Saudi oil revenues, but uh, there is a suggestion that the deal floundered more on the on the piracy issues surrounding the the Saudi broadcaster that's been showing the Premier League in competition uh, to be in sports. Yeah. Uh, the question for you is: I know Newcastle fans want to change, but yeah. really, given their human rights record and everything else that surrounds uh, Saudi Arabia at the moment, is that the right outcome for football or not? <sighs> yeah, it's a tough, tough one, one Simon. I look, yeah, no, it is a tough one. I look, I mean, the situation is we know we know the, the the issues around the piracy and all those kind of things. I think the the problem here has been the amount of time that the Premier League Premier League have sat on uh, this this particular uh, mm. takeover. Is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? And and that's the real um, bugging factor for the Newcastle United fans. And it's something I've seen a, a petition this morning that that's been sent off to Boris Johnson. There was over fifty thousand. That would already signed signed off this morning, Simon. When I woke up, this is something that they want to um, to get answers on, and certainly haven't given up the hope of um, trying to get this back on track. But I think it's more the the delay from the Premier League, which has ended up getting these investors to walk away to say this is too difficult. This looks a little bit too much politics involved for me. Uh, it definitely looks like a, a red tape issue, and mm-hmm. for them to lose what was it, seventeen million pounds? Seventeen million yeah. deposit which yeah. Mike Ashley trousers. Yeah, I, look, I think it's red tape. 
uh, there's more to it for sure. Good bit of business though, if you might, Ashley. Um, great quote in the Guardian, incidentally, and we, we don't know 100% whether this is the reason, but there's a quote in the Guardian article that says, there's something vaguely depressing about the fact that in the eyes of the Premier League, this seems to be more of a red flag, the broadcasting issue, than any of the regime's flagrant human rights abuses. Bump off whoever you want, treat women however you see fit, but mess with our broadcast contracts and there'll be trouble. <laughs> and you fancy there might be a, a sliver of truth to that. Uh, let's move away from Newcastle United. Manchester City's uh, off-field issues with the Champions League continuing, even in the wake of the fact that they've been cleared by the Court of Arbitration for Sports just a couple of days after that verdict came through. Der Spiegel, the German newspaper, again leaking more emails, uh, this time relating to the sponsorship deal with Etihad. Uh, an email that's been published from Simon Pearce, who of course is involved in football in this country, uh, setting out that he was forwarding the airline 91 million of 99 million that the company owed the club for its sponsorship. City, for their part, we should say this, say this is a cynical attempt to publicly relitigate. Ha have we heard the end of this? Or is this just going to go on and on and on? No. I, 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 I hope we've... I hope we've heard the end of it, Spides. No, I mean, it's, it's gone through its process. Uh, Man City were, were cleared. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. But um, it Some seems people worry. Don't let it move on. That's a, pro that's a problem, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's out of our control. Like I said, I would like to see, like I said, uh, the, the position where Man City appealed, won their case. They've now been cleared to play Champions League football, European football moving forward. Let's crack on. Let's get, it. let's get on with it. Okay, well, let's crack on with the podcast then. Uh, a couple of other issues from England before we move on to Asia. Uh, Eddie Howe has departed Bournemouth after eight years. Of course, they got uh, relegated, but what a terrific job yeah. he's done at that club. What a... could, he, could he be uh, a coach of an Arsenal or, or a Man City or, or a Man United at some point in the future uh, or, or not? English managers tend not to get those big opportunities in the mm. current day. Yeah, but he, he might, Eddie Howe might be one of those ones that, that, that does manage to, to get a top job, uh, Simon. You know, he's, he's been at the club. He's 25 years in total um, at Bournemouth. Uh, two different spells in coaching. Um, sat him in the premiership for the last five years. Uh, you know, took him up from, from League Two to, to premiership. So he's done an amazing job and he's very well respected in the English game. You know, even in regards to the, that national team job, you've, you've heard his name getting pushed about. So when you're talking at that level, then you, you have a good opportunity to, to be able to get a good job. And he's parted, again, he's a gentleman, he's parted in the right ways with his football club, which I mean... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I, I, I know um, in terms of his future, he's going to get the right opportunity. It's just what club that's going to be. Yeah, totally agree. I, I think he'd done a fantastic job. Uh, I love the brand of football that they played for a team that was always fighting relegation. That He was brave. That His team played a brave brand of football. Uh, fell short this year. Unlucky they had that really bad, bad spell and fell short. But again, Maury, he's probably a manager that needs to pick the right club that he goes to. 
Like, yeah. for example, I'm not saying Burnley's sacking their coach, but I don't think he'd be suited out of Burnley. Well, he did go to Burnley. He had yeah. a couple of years at Burnley, yeah. didn't he? And uh, it didn't really work out for him. Um, but yeah. I don't think it'll be too long before Eddie Howe's uh, back in football. I think he's, uh, he's got a lot of potential as a coach, despite that relegation uh, this season with Bournemouth. Uh, Spider, one for you, that big rumour going around that uh, David De Gea is about to be replaced at Manchester United by Kasper Schmeichel. Now, wow. if you're Kasper Schmeichel given that your dad's <laughs> such a legend of that club. That's a brave move, isn't it? I, I, I think I thought Casper <laughs> Michael was going to go to Liverpool. I swear, I thought before they signed Becker, I thought he was going to go to Liverpool because I thought he had an outstanding season. I think Casper Michael was a little bit unlucky when he was at Man City mm. because of his surname. And people actually didn't... Well, he also had Joe team. Hartz up against him at Correct, the time. but he was still young as yeah. well. He was young. He was still developing. He went to Leicester and he's really left an imprint there. And he's probably got the imprint. He's got the character and he's got the surname to actually keep for United. And after the hair this year, the way he's been, uh, he's definitely on the way out. Do, do, one day will we see Oliver Callats at AC Milan? Following his dad's footsteps? I'll be happy if he ends up at Rhoda. <laughs> 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 we, won't, we won't tell him you've said that. <laughs> oh Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Let, let's move on to Asia, guys. Um, an interesting uh, graph came out this week showing that Australian clubs have slipped another five spots in the AFC club rankings. Not quite sure how they've slipped in a, in a time when we're not playing international club football. But we're now behind North Korea, the Philippines and Vietnam. And by 2023, the rankings will stay the same up until 2023. That's only a couple of years away. We could only have one slot in the Champions League. The other two teams might have to play in the AFC Cup, the second tier uh, competition. That's a real concern for our clubs, isn't it? Yeah, so that's like the that's like the the Champions League and the the Europa Europa League. League. Yeah, 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 and 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 our coefficient points are not at a level for us to to hold down the not at the the, the moment. Yeah, and look, Simon, the, the difficulty is, um, you know, it's down to what we do in, in, in that particular competition, which hasn't been great and mm-hmm. doesn't look great uh, in terms of what we're going to do moving forward with what we're talking about in Asia, the amount of investment that they have. We're always challenging against these, these huge budgets. It's a tough, tough ask. So are we looking at potentially that one Asian Champions League position in the future? We, we, we could well be. Mm. The Champions League this year, of course, is going to resume in September in the west of Asia and then in October in the east. uh, Groups G and H are going to be completed in a hub in Malaysia in October. That's uh, the group including Sydney FC. Uh If they win through Spider to the knockout phase, the Sky Blues, they'll be in Southeast Asia for the best part of two months and then a final, if they were to get that far, a one-off to be played in the west of the region. Now, with the A-League season resuming in December, A, they're not going to have a break, but B, they're going to be overseas for a heck of a long time, if they're successful, which we hope yeah. they will be, obviously. That's a difficult one, ain't it? But uh, I suppose they had a long enough break over the COVID. So, just to be playing football, I think these clubs that would be going to these hubs in Asia to play Champions League will actually be excited. I, I think it's fantastic. I, I don't know if they'll be able to move around or what it'll be, but... Uh, to play, I think they've got five more games in their group stages to play. That's a fantastic opportunity. Mm. I think it's four, actually. The, the venue's more for groups E and F. Uh, those are the groups involving divided. Melbourne Victory and Perth. Uh, mm. Still to be decided. So I don't quite know what's, uh, what's happening there. 
Um, yeah. But if you're Victory and Perth, really, you want that sorted out as soon as possible so you can get your schedules aligned. Well, that's exactly right. You know, the logistics and, and, and what, uh, what you need to go through. Um, again, you want to be able to communicate to your playing group uh, who, you know, have got families. And when we talk about this hub situation, that's, that's probably the biggest thing, Spy. Yes, as a player, we don't really think too much. We go and, and for a couple of months, you're away in a hub. Um, but obviously, you know, you've got families that are, that are left behind that, are, um, you know, can struggle through that period. It's a little bit different. It's not something we experience a month. Yes, World Cup or Olympic Games, um, potentially two months away. Um, tough. And then coming back into a season as well, where all leagues all over the world, we've seen injuries as well. Eh? Spies, we've seen injuries with the, the, yeah. the schedule of coming back in, being not probably at the level that they need to be. And then if we're going to go longer, when do we think about the players' um, welfare as well? It's, a di- it's definitely a difficult one. But uh, as we've said before, and I know I don't mean to be cynical, but we chose this profession. Uh, we've all done pre-seasons, Maury, where we've gone away and been in camps for six weeks. So it is part and parcel of the trade. Mm-hmm. And realistically, that's why they get paid good dollars. Indeed. Uh, final points on Asia before we move on to our... Final segment today, I saw that uh, the Chinese Super League, which of course has resumed in the last couple of weeks, some figures released by PP Sports, who are the broadcaster of the Chinese Super League, they they streamed the opening games for free and over 30 million watched the opening two games. Now that's the sort of stuff really that as a sport we should be publicising because that's a huge point of difference. And yet, you know, here we are still sending AFL games to China uh, and trying to promote that sport over there. When is the penny going to drop in this country that Asia is our future? Oh, I think we're we're starting to understand. Imagine if they had your voice doing the doing the games. Well, I'm available in, the, in commentary in English. <laughs> <laughs> I'm available. Mate, he's, he's put himself about. He's getting plenty of work, by the way. <laughs> I, I am I'm the ultimate media whore at the moment. It's, uh, it's it's a serious point, Maury, isn't it? That we we tend not to 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 either hear or listen to these stories, but they, that those figures represent massive opportunities for our game and for our country in terms of pure economics and business. Yeah, look, we we've got to find better ways to be able to tap into to Asia, uh, and again, I think that's probably at times. Um, in Australia now, we've kind of we've got this arrogance now that that I, it doesn't really sit well with me, if I'm being honest. And and I know that that's also translated to to, to Asia. And we we've got to build better relationships. There's so much interest, huge population following all these kind of things that are great for our game. We've got to do everything that we possibly can to want to be involved in those things, Simon. Mm, totally agree. All right, thanks guys for the moment. Time to move on to our final segment and welcome our very special guest. Well, for our final segment today, it's a real pleasure to welcome the A-League's top goal scorer uh, this season with 19, including one at the weekend against Sydney FC. And that took his overall tally in the competition to a quite remarkable 75 in just 121 games. He's a 15 times cap Socceroo and has spent time in Scotland with Hibernian and in Germany with Darmstadt. It's a big podcast welcome to Jamie McLaren. Good to see you, Jamie. How are you? Thank you, fellas. Um, yeah, it's good to see you all. Um, not too bad, actually, just in, uh, in the Sydney hub, as you can imagine. 
um, up is, in the Hunter Valley. So, how is life in the COVID bubble? Yeah, it's different. Um, it was an interesting two weeks spent, uh, you know, in that quarantine period. But we're out of it now, and um, thankfully, we played our first game on the weekend against Sydney. So, just glad it's it's over. Maury? Macca, yeah, you touch on the first game back, obviously with the restart. City being the team come back uh, the latest, but very good performance for for you guys. Um, everybody pull up okay, and you're back to to scoring ways as well, mate. So well done there. Yeah, thanks, Maury. I think uh, it was a long time coming, and we had a lot of time to sort of work on how Sydney are going to set up. And I think uh, the coach really nailed the game plan, and um, we we went out there and tried to execute it as as best as we can, and. They're going to have periods where they're such a good team. They're going to have chances, but um, we nullified them and uh, we took our two chances. I guess, you know, we could have probably scored a few more, but um, we, we capitalised on their mistakes. And like I said, all the boys have come through unscathed. We're, we're actually going to miss our captain, Jamo because of his um, his baby coming up this week. So, yeah, we'll yeah. just have to, to deal without him. But other than that, we've got boys who can step in. Scotty Galloway will, um, will probably fit in or Nathaniel Atkinson at, at fullback. And mate, the toe poke. When when did the toe poke come into your your repertoire? <laughs> it's the uh, it's the only finish I think Spider will tell you. It's the only finish yeah. I actually probably could have done. Um, yeah. it's a know, great finish. In, yeah, thank you. It's one on one with Redders. I know what he's like. He goes really low, and you know he probably would have saved it if I had have gone low. So just had to lift it. Uh, Wilco was coming across as well, and um, yeah. you know I was kind of hoping maybe Gowser might have brought me down for the penalty, but um, I stayed on my feet and uh, yeah, just yeah. tucked it away and. Just thankfully uh, back on the score sheet again. It feels good. Maka, listen, I've actually earlier in the show <laughs> tipped you that you're going to win it, right? So these two, <laughs> these two here went, what? Melbourne City. And I, I don't want to put the spanner in the works, but I actually think you look fantastic. Mate, how important has Montbert yeah, the you. coach been? Because you look like a team, structured, disciplined, mm. well-drilled team. Yeah. Yeah, Spider, correct, mate. Um, obviously, I love working for him. He's, you know, from day one, we had the balls out. But, um, you know, his attention to detail is from Monday through to Friday. And uh, he'll never miss a beat. And if he's not happy, he'll, he'll leave. Jamie, um, <coughs> I think mate, it's... He knows English very well. Sorry, go on. His, uh, his, his communication with us is very good. His man management skills is fantastic. And um, everybody knows from, from Monday through to Friday what our role will be. And, yeah. Mate, just tell me, uh, Paddock as Norbo, has he sorted out his anger management problems? <laughs> <laughs> mate, he's, he's still the bad cop, trust me. And you know what he's like with the younger boys. Yeah, brilliant, <laughs> mate. No. He, hasn't changed a, he hasn't changed a beat, mate. <laughs> Jamie, we mentioned earlier on in the show uh, when Spider was picking up your chances of, of winning the championship that the, the off-quoted um, question about Melbourne City has been the mental toughness. And, and we saw early on in the season, you reached the cup final. A lot of people fancied you mm. to win that cup. And yeah. you, you fell in a bit of a heap against Adelaide United. And it, it happened against Sydney FC earlier on in the campaign. Uh, top of the table clash, you lost 2-1. Do you feel that result against Sydney at the weekend shows that that is a thing of the past? Yeah, totally. Um, and I think towards, you know, obviously the start of the season, if we conceded first, we were, we were done, you know? And it was kind of a mental blockage that just went throughout the whole squad. And um, we were the sort of team, if we did score first, we actually would go on and kick on and, and play really well. So that mental edge, the coach wasn't really um, accepting that when, when those few results didn't go our way. And obviously the cup final um, was a hard pill to swallow. And um, we've 
over the over the period we've started to we won the derby against Melbourne Victory, which which was huge. And um, sitting second and seeing how other teams, obviously Wellington, played three games before we were able to play our first, and and that mental edge means that you know we need to go out there and beat Sydney um, regardless. And and we did that, and we showed some mental strength, and um, that'll that'll hold us in good stead for the next two games. And you're certainly on track to uh, to finish second, which will be the club's highest ever regular season finish. Um, let's go back a little bit to your earlier life. Uh, I'm not sure too many people know that y- your dad, Don, was, was also a pro with Hearts and Dunfermline. Uh, your uncle Ross McLaren played for Shrewsbury and Derby and Swindon Town. Were Hearts your club growing up? And if so, how did it feel signing for Hibs? Yeah. Yeah, well, to be honest, my first two jerseys as a young boy was was a Villa shirt and a Hearts jersey. So my family are full jambos, and um, it didn't. That conversation with my granddad didn't go down quite well after I met up with Neil Lennon and, and signed for, for Hibs. So, um, and and the, the fact that the Hearts were interested at the same time, and I, I chose to go to Hibernian. So, um, yeah, look, got a family full of them, and it's uh, it's a decent little journey. I, I look, like I said, Maury knows all about the Scottish football and. Um, that's something that's taught me how to be, you know, more of a winner. Um, I feel as if, you know, through my younger stages, I kind of was floating in and around, not understanding what, what it takes to win games. But after playing under Neil Lennon, um, even drawing a game is a disappointment. And that's something that has, has driven me on to this day. And I'm trying to pass on to the younger boys that, you know, we need to take these opportunities and, and not, if you can't win it, don't fucking lose it. That's what he says. Yeah. Apologies for the yeah. fancy language. <laughs> You're allowed to do that on this show, Mac. I like Mac. it. <laughs> Mac, I've got an interesting one for you. I'd like to know what your thoughts are. Obviously, you've done extremely well at, at Brisbane Raw and then eventually made the, the move overseas to, to Darmstadt. Yeah. Now, looking, looking back at that, um, I remember having conversations with you trying to get you to stay longer, obviously, at Brisbane Raw because you were a leading goal scorer and, and, and doing great but trying to um, find a situation where a transfer would have been paid to, to come back into the game. Do you feel that would have put you in a better starting position or can you just talk us through what that, that move actually uh, turned out for you like? Yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a difficult period because I felt as if, you know, how to scored 40 goals in two seasons and, mm. you know, as you start to get a little bit older, you kind of start to see other players in the, in the, in the same league that, I scored more goals then are getting yeah. paid a lot more or you kind of start to realize your value. Um, yeah. and, and that was where I kind of felt after winning the golden boot, it was a, it was a period where, you know, I started to, I wanted to make the jump because, you know, you've got to strike while you're hot and you don't know what mm-hmm. the, the following season would have been like, you know, yeah. touch wood injuries and st- things like that. They, they do cross your mind. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, moving to Germany was, was a difficult period because, you know, you're not to know what's going to happen. But when I arrived there, they thought I was, mm-hmm almost a number 10 player because I was small and, and agile and they, they wanted yeah. to play me in number 10. And, and I think yeah. all you guys know that if you take me out of the box, I'm, I'm non-existent. So yeah. um, it was a, it was a difficult uh, period for me, but it yeah. made me stronger to, to make sure that, you know, I'll go to Hibs, I'll take, I'll take the pay cut and I'll, I'll work hard to, to get in a world cup squad. And, um, you know, leaving Brisbane was hard more. And, and obviously Johnny and yourself gave me yeah. an opportunity, which was, which was fantastic. And, you know, 53 games, 40 goals, is something that um, has put me in good stead in this league. But, um, yeah, any opportunity yeah. that comes up, it was always – you can always regret things and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it's just the journey that I'm on. Yeah, but then touching on Scotland, your time, obviously, to get that love back for the game and get those games under your, under your belt and goals again at Hibs. And I believe you even scored a hat-trick against my old teammate, which I'll keep, uh, I'll keep quiet. 
yeah. but how, how was that in Scotland? Obviously, now you're back in Australia, but that time yeah. must have gave yeah. you that love uh, for, the, for the game again and scoring goals and playing with a smile on your face, which we know you'd like to do. Yeah, massively. And um, obviously, having a manager like Neil, who, you know, at some point, he made me feel like I was the best player on the pitch, you know, and he just... He kind of had that energy with it, with the whole squad. You know, look at John McGinn now flying at Aston Villa. And um, yep. at that period, the squad that we had was was fantastic. Whether we went to Ibrox or, or Celtic Park, he always believed that we could win. And, and we did win those games. We ended up finishing the highest points Hibs have ever had in their history um, mm. and, and got into a, a Europa League spot. And, and that's, that's obviously huge for the club. But, you know, like you said, beating Rangers twice. And, and to this day, I don't think I've played in a better stadium than Ibrox. Um, it's, mm. Till this day, I, I get goosebumps from from that penalty that I scored there and, and, and the winner. And it was um, a period that I loved. And obviously because I'm, you know, half Scottish, it kind of brings a touch of home to me and, and it's close yeah. to my heart. So Edinburgh is a beautiful city and, um, you know, I really loved my time there. Maka, you said you're half Scottish. What's your other half? <laughs> my mother was born in Malta. <laughs> and your wife is? Croatian. <laughs> Too right. <son. laughs> yeah. You had to get that in. Maka, tell us, uh, mate. Uh, <laughs> mate, you're a credit to yourself. Look, I had the pri- privilege of working with you last year at City. And a lot of players that come back from overseas, you know, probably take it a little bit easier when they get back. But, mate, the way you work and your hunger and your desire to score goals and be better every day is actually massive. And I think a lot of kids should actually watch and see how hard you work. And you get all the credit and the joy from it because you score 19 goals. And that comes from hard work. The boys around Melbourne City, these younger ones, are they, do they stay back on the field? Do they watch what you do? Do they do the extras? Yeah. Yeah, look, it's obviously it was a pleasure working with you last, last year and you saw the extras that we were doing last year. And um, I've always been the sort of person that the harder you work, the luckier you get. And, and you, you get those little breaks that, um, that might not come your way if you're not working as hard. And um, even you saw probably on the weekend, it was a, it was a mistake by Gauza to, to get me that goal. But I kind of, I, I work on those. I'm a bit pessimistic in that, in that situation. But yeah, look, mate, I work every day. Um, I try and drag the young boys with me, um, whether they want to do individual finishing and stuff. And um, I think it just comes within myself that I know how quickly the game can be taken away from me. And, and I believe that, you know, if I put myself in the best foot forward, then, you know, situations will always will pan in my in, in my positive sort of outlook. So Great, it's um yeah. you know I'm I'm twenty I'm twenty seven now. I still feel still feel relatively young and ready to, to kick on. But I've got a lot of improving to do. We all know that, and um it's just exciting that I can still you know kick on and, and still score goals and, and show people that I'm that twenty goal man that um that people didn't believe a couple of years ago. You've done it. You've done it here, Maka, and you continue you continue to do it. Um, I've heard you speak about how how happy you are and. And you're really enjoying life at Melbourne City, which which is great. Um, Socceroos, uh, is that is that much on your mind uh, in terms of um, you know? Obviously, you've you've come into the the national team squad. You're scoring goals. I know the type of player that you are, and strikers in general gives that confidence. But how much do you think about the Socceroos and the potential of a World Cup uh, in 2022 as well? Yeah, a lot, and it's obviously great to see other players sort of stepping up and, and really, you know, fighting for com- competitive places in that squad. You know, you look at Tags scoring regular in career. He's the golden boot last year. And it's obviously great to see other Aussie players really putting their foot forward. And because um, for a long time, there was a period where I didn't think, you know, I was ever going to get selected for the Socceroos. And I, I worked so hard to, to make sure I was in the squads. And, you know, when I wasn't selected, I was disappointed. And, you know, I had to really show that a reason why I want to be in that squad. And 
I've never taken a Socceroo cap for granted. Um, I found, you know, at the start of my period was a bit um, hard to adjust because international football, like you all know, is, is such a, a different level. And you, you've, got to, you've got to adapt quickly or you get found out. And um, it did take me a while to find my feet, but no greater feeling than, than putting on a green and gold jersey and, and representing your country, whether you're playing against Germany or you're, you're playing against Nepal. So um, for me, it's, it's, a, it's an honour. And um, like I said, it's, I just can't wait to, to obviously work hard and, and put that green and gold jersey on again. I don't know when that will be. Jamie, one more before we get on to some Twitter questions. And we've had uh, quite a few via our site. Um, is your, you said you're 27. You're probably at your peak now in terms of, of a striker and a, and a footballer. Uh, are you still looking to return to Europe at some stage or, or is that door closed? No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was closed. I think um, I had the opportunity, obviously, to stay. I still had two years left on my, on my German contract um, when I came for, to back to Melbourne City. But um, I felt like this was the right move for me to come back and, and I think it's paid off right now with, with the goals that I've been able to produce for this club. And, and the game time, it's, you know, you don't want to finish your career and, and, you know, not play as many games as you can. And I think it would be great if the A-League played more games. And I'm, I'm hearing next season maybe a bit shorter, which would be disappointing. But it's one of those ones, Simon, when you sign a deal, it's, it's now the club's decision if they want to, if they want to sell me. Um, I'm in a position where I'm happy. I'm, I'm, you know, playing in a great squad under a great manager. The, the facilities we have in Melbourne are fantastic. And, um, I guess it's the, the shoes on their foot, you know, for, to decide if they wanted to sell me and make some money. But um, I'm happy now. And if something does arise, then it's maybe it's something, a decision that we have to, to talk about. But um, I guess they hold all the cards in terms of if they want to sell me or not. Mm. Maka, tell me, uh, you, just, you just touched on, mate, out of all the managers you've played under, who do you think is number one? It's a tough one because I think uh, they've all given me different aspects of the game. I think, you know, from, from a younger age, I had obviously uh, Gary Bowyer when I was at Blackburn and um, he, he sort of taught me that, you know, don't take this game for granted because he saw academy graduates go from, you know, playing, you know, professional football to then working in a factory uh, within weeks. Um, so he was, he was fantastic for me. Uh, and obviously Johnny, who gave me the game time and gave me that, that now in front of goal just to, he knew I could score goals, but he, I think he did add a little bit of string to my bow. And, um, and obviously, Neil Lennon, another one who was just a, a different manager, which completely um, opposite to Johnny, but at the same time made me feel like I was a, I was a great player. And, um, and now Eric. So it's a whole range of, of different coaches. If I was to pick one out of the hat, um, I'd probably say Johnny would be the top and then, um, and then would, would go Lenny. So, and then... Obviously, I haven't worked with, with Eric enough, but uh, if we go on and win something, then it might be a different conversation. Okay, let's uh, finish off with some uh, Twitter questions, if we can. We've got some good ones this week. Uh, Roscoe has, uh, has tweeted us, and he wins our question of the week and uh, a $100 meal voucher yeah. for the Outback Steakhouse. So congratulations, Roscoe. Um, he wants to know, what are the differences between playing in the Scottish Premier League and the A-League, not just the, the competition, but the training regime, the lifestyle, everything. Bit of an all-encompassing mm -hmm. question, but I think you know where he's going with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, well, obviously, one big factor would be, would be crowds. Um, the crowds there, you know, you can speak to, well, you guys already know, but, you know, so you, you go and play Celtic or Rangers away, you're, you're playing in front of 50,000, um, which is something you don't really get here other than a, maybe a Sydney derby. Um, the weather plays a huge part. Um, but I would say the one that sticks out would be desire and desperation. And um, over there, it feels like guys are playing for their mortgages. They're playing for their lives, their kids, um, throwing themselves at challenges. And, you know, I always 
think about it, when I look at Tom Aldred, who's at Brisbane now, he throws himself at everything, whether it's a challenge up in the air. And, and he's, he's kind of brought that mentality to Brisbane now. Scotty Max there as well. So those guys who have had that experience within Scotland, or not just saying Scotland, but in terms of Europe, um, that hunger, when you're playing for bonuses and you're playing for little things that um, really mean something, um, it's, it's that hunger and determination to, to not lose a game. And that's something that I, I wish... It's starting to come, but it's not as much as probably what, what Australia maybe had back in the old NSL days when they were, you know, part-time. When my old man was playing, he, he kind of said to me, you know, the A-League just doesn't seem to have that desire what they used to have back in the old NSL. But um, I think it's getting there. And I think players, not just myself, but other boys that are coming back to this country need to give that and, and give it a new, a new breed of culture to say, losing isn't acceptable. You need, to, you need to be accountable for your actions and you need to, you need to really push on it. And winning, this game's about winning. It's a results-driven business. So that's, what, uh, that's what's driving me and that's why I'm so excited to, to finish this season. And I believe that um, we're a real good shout to win something this year. Interesting observations. Um, another one from Muppet, uh, which is an interesting uh, uh, tag name. Uh, he's, he's tweeted the Muppet Show, which is us. Um, tell us the story of when you were plucked by Bert van Marveik from your summer holidays and into Australia's World Cup squad for Russia after initially missing the cuts. Oh, well, it's, it's a long one. So I was actually um, at the training ground at Hibs. Um, I, pulled, I went into Neil Lennon's office and I said to him, look, I'm not going to the World Cup. And uh, he sat me, he said, sit down. And he said, Maka, I'm telling you now, you're going you're gonna to go out and play against Rangers tomorrow. You're going to score goals. And I guarantee you, someone's going to fucking call you. So anyway, the following day, when uh, played, scored the hat-trick, um, went on holiday and then got a phone call saying, look, you may have to come in. So I was kind of thinking, saying to my missus, you know, I might be on a flight. Nothing, didn't hear anything for a week. And then um, went on another holiday, was in Dubai and, Got a phone call from Joel Freem, who I'm sure you guys know, and he said, look, um, Bert wants to have a look at you. Um, you know, I, d I don't know what the situation was over there, if he wasn't happy or he wanted some more numbers. But uh, I flew to Turkey from Dubai, and um, Bert only said one sentence to me. He said, you've got a week? Show me what you've got. And there's a photo of, of me and Bert just standing there in the middle of the pitch. All the boys are doing the warm-up. And he's pulled me and said, uh, you've, you've got a week? Show me what you've got. So... That was um, that was an interesting period, and I'd, I'd like to think that I showed him enough to, to get on that plane. So, um, interesting period, and it's a great story to, to say, and, and it's, it's it's not over till the fat lady sings. Absolutely. Um, one from Josh Parrish. Has Eric Mombert helped you uh, with your link-up play? And if so, how? Yeah, I think um, the, way, the way we've adapted this year or evolved as a team and wanting to play, there was, you know, the periods how I was playing on, against Sydney FC this weekend was different to how I was playing maybe five months ago, only because when you come up against different opposition, some, some teams don't like to give me the space in behind. So I, I can't afford to, to make those runs every time. So I've got to come short, play balls around the corner, drop balls um, into my midfield. And um, you've got to be, a, you've got to evolve as a player. And I think um, over the years, I'm starting to realize that, you know, dropping in, dropping in more allows space for other players to get in behind and, and make runs. So um yeah, it's all about changing. And I think that's one thing that Eric's done. He's, his game plan, I've had to adapt to his game plan. So um, he's just a fantastic manager. And like I said, whether I'm, I'm playing under Johnny or Eric, it's, it's been a joy to score goals. One I think the uh, pleasing thing is... Sorry, go on, sorry, yep. sorry Simon. I think the pleasing thing is, Macker, is you now... You, you, you have a toolkit now, mate. You've got all types of goals in your locker, whereas maybe uh, a few years ago, people were kind of just worried about you getting on shoulders, but you can score headers. You've got that toe poke. You've got the thing across your, across your body. You've got the little dink. 
Um, having those ranges of finishes yeah. actually makes it harder as well for, for defenders and teams to play against you. So uh, yeah. fair credit to you. You've worked on that, mate, but that's been hard, hard work. Yeah, Gone totally, mate. I've, uh, I've worked hours. Sorry, go on, Jeremy. No, that's all right. I'm just saying I've just worked on, on all range of, of finishing because I know and I've experienced playing against better defenders that sometimes you only get one chance and um, mm. you need to be able to adapt to that situation and, and, and finish it as cleanly as you can. This is a rather all-encompassing question from Neil Simons or Simmons. Do you believe Australian football has taken the right steps in recent months to bring itself into a positive state in the years to come? Bring out your inner statesman here, Jamie. Well, yeah, look, does he mean about the, the sort of salary cap stuff and all this sort of... Is that I think it's sort of a general question, isn't it? It's about what, what sort of a position are we in to, to move forward in a more positive manner in the next yeah. couple of years? Well, I think, you know, we can look at this situation now, how football nearly nearly uh, got away from us. And it's about players who get an opportunity like this to play for an A-League club or to, to move overseas. Don't take this game for granted. Don't don't think that, you know, your contract's going to be going to last you 10 years. Have in your mind it's going to last you six months. And then, you know, have those short-term goals that you, you want to have. And at the end of the day, everybody wants this country to be successful in football. We want to have full stadiums. We want to have better players. We want players going playing in the better leagues. Um, I, for myself, remember watching, you know, obviously Maury and, and Zelko play in the high leagues and Champions League. And um, that, that's something that, that us kids need to start to stay away from the PlayStations, go outside and, um, and, and work on your craft. And I think that um, Australia can get better. We have the potential to get better, but it's just slowly getting away. And, and it's a little culture thing where it just, we just need to get out, shake out of us and, and, and move forward. Because I do believe that Australia has the talent to get there because we've shown it in the past. Good advice, Jamie. Um, final one, uh, before we get final uh, thoughts from the boys. Troy Chandler, have you still got the Northern Element scarf from your last game at Brisbane? I do, yeah. I've got all my uh, memorabilia from Brisbane. It's tucked away with the golden boot in my shed. So um, don't worry about that, mate. That's still there. I maybe another the photo too. Maybe another golden boot to come in uh, in a few weeks' time. Uh, gentlemen, uh, Maury Spider, any uh, final mm. thoughts, comments? Macca, you know what? I hope this conversation that we've had now, and I hope a lot of young kids listen to it because we had Brett Holman on last week and now we've had you on and you both showed what a career can do when you're a hard worker. Uh, mate, it's a credit to you, what you've done. And, mate, I think you'll end up back overseas because I think you've yep. got goals in you. I think you've improved as a player. I think you're hardworking. I think what you have added to your game this year will actually take you back overseas, mate. And uh, it was a pleasure working with you last year as well. And now make sure you win it this year so I don't look like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, thank you. Obviously, Zelks, it's, uh, it's, it's a pleasure to hear that. And, um yeah, look, I, I wasn't blessed with uh, sort of natural talent, if you want. I, I did work for it, obviously having the blood with the family and, and you know, professional football being my old man. But um, I worked for a lot of things. I worked for my pace. Um, I worked for, for all my finishing. Um, there was periods where, you know, I didn't, you go through a rut of not scoring goals and you, you've got to just ride that wave and, and get over it. And like I said, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And when you get those breaks, I, I do feel like I take those chances. So, um, like I said, Brett Holman's a perfect example. He's probably worked... 10 times harder than I have and, and that's why he's played at the top so um, yeah it's just it's an easy message but it's the hardest thing to do is, is to work hard it's it's, it's um, the thing that players take for granted sometimes Maka I just wanted to finally uh, obviously thank you for your time mate like I said uh, Spider uh, touched on a great story in terms of your work rate you're willing to, to want to improve all the time 
But most importantly, want to wish you all the very best for your remaining games this season and also what will be a final series for you. I know you're desperate to try and uh, win a, a title here or a grand final here in Australia, mate. You are in a very good uh, situation. Me and Spider, we'll, we'll keep sort of like, I don't know whether we're agreeing and disagreeing or whether he's trying to get better odds or something like that, trying to, trying to, trying to frame a market. But, Mark, listen, mate, wish you all the very best. Keep up the good work um, and good luck with the, the remaining games. No, look, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And it's a pleasure to talk to you all. Thank you very much. Thanks very much, Jamie. Appreciate your time today. And that is us for another week on Shim Spider and so much more. Thanks to all of you for listening. We've now had over 4,000 downloads of our three episodes so far, and we're up to over 1,200 followers on Twitter. Thanks very much. See you same time, same place next week. Until then, from the three of us, bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.